0: Uh, We are thrilled this morning to be continuing this series of conversations we've been having on the subject of the Sabbath. And I want to start with a a little story that may set the tone for what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, I heard of a man who was sitting on a a park bench one day when up came a um, a, a small lad, maybe five years old, and uh, took a perch on the bench beside of him. And uh, the the kid was fidgeting with something, and the man looked over and saw that uh, the boy was winding a watch. Actually, as the man looked more closely, it was clear it was a Mickey Mouse watch. What a neat watch, the older man exclaimed. What a a, a wonderful watch. Does it it tell you the time? Nope, said the little boy. The watch doesn't tell you the time? Nope. You got to look at it. If there is one simple idea that I think uh, spans everything we're trying to talk about in this series, when it comes to the subject of time, is that you've got to look at it. You've got to think about, we've got to think about, how it is that we are spending our time. We don't serve God or ourselves merely by having a watch on our wrist or a calendar on our phone or our wall or a Bible up on our shelf. If we're not looking at it carefully, asking ourselves how our life aligns and needs to align further with our best intentions and God's clear calling if we're not thinking about how we're spending this most precious of all commodities, then we're missing one of the most fundamental uh, disciplines and the most important disciplines of life. Not long ago, I came across a very provocative article that was entitled If You Are 35, You Have 500 Days to Live. And that uh, title really grabbed me, obviously, because I'm just over 35 now. <laughs> and, and the writer went on to say that when you take out the time that you spend sleeping, working, doing chores, tending to matters of health and hygiene, managing your money, traveling, uh, eating, all those kind of routine tasks, when you take that time out of the equation, you have in the next 35 years, the next 35 years, uh, about 500 days left to do the truly meaningful things that you, in your clearest moments, want to do. Those things that will most honor God's purposes in and through your life. And because I'm not the only one that's just a little more than 35, the words of the psalmist come to mind here. Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Not just get good ideas, but actually make the changes that... that That move us in the direction of of God's wise way. So in the readings that we looked at last week uh, from the book of Exodus, uh, we we saw how the fourth commandment uh, is one in which God tells us that one of the wisest things that we can possibly do to to live long in the land, to have our lives flourish, to be in connection with him, one of the wisest things we can do is is to Stop our relentless doing. In fact, the word Sabbath, as we said, means stop. It's in the imperative, stop. Stop your relentless doing. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, says God in Exodus chapter 20, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. Pastors are like violating this every week. It's why Saturdays are so important uh, often to pastors or Mondays or Fridays. But the the big call here is I want you to spend one day a week uh, without doing any chores, without checking the screens, without ticking down the to-do list, without rushing here and there. I want you to devote one full day a week to, to mainly rediscovering what it is to be A human being in a world where there are a hundred Pharaohs who want to turn you into a human doing. This is the great message that comes to us from the fourth commandment. Last week I suggested that, that God calls us to observe the Sabbath to make it holy, which means to set it apart, to make it truly sacred to us, for many of the same reasons that we press pause when we're watching a a movie or a show that we love. And after the message, uh, I had a a dear friend uh, say, I love that framework. I did not at all understand how I was supposed to make that land in my life. Can you make it more concrete for me? Can you explain to me what that would look like if I actually were to try and to live into it? So let me try and do that. First of all, Sabbath is a time to freeze the frame of life you're living in and really look at its details. If you're wondering what to do with your Sabbath today, stop and really look at a flower. Get really close to it. Notice. Every detail of it. Go to the zoo and and just sit in front of one of the cages and just watch the animals uh, for a long time. Stop by an art gallery. Linger over some masterwork of art. The idea is... You want to stop to study and savor the beauty and the goodness of life. You want to drink it in with all you can. You want to say thank you to God for it. You want to take notes on it, at what you're observing. Maybe you use your camera or your paintbrush or your pen to capture something of the wonder of what you see now that you've stopped. Talk to somebody else about what strikes you, about the miracle and the majesty, the the burning bushes and the setting suns that you would have passed by without seeing if you had not observed Sabbath. In the words of St. Winnie the Pooh, poetry and hums aren't things which you get, they are things which get you. And all you can do, he says, is to go where they find you. So press pause in this way. Secondly, use the pause that Sabbath provides to reflect on what just happened in the movie storyline behind you. I said that last week. Let me flesh out what I mean by that. You've come here, most of you, you've had a week. You've had some kind of a week. Uh, So discuss today with a friend or a loved one what happened to you over these past days. Look back do an examen, as they used to say in ancient times, and and reflect on how it felt. Where did you see God show up? Where did you find the Holy Spirit convicting you of sin? Uh, Of, oh my gosh, I did it again. Um... Spend some time uh, journaling, perhaps, your reflections on the high points and the low points and the learnings and the experiences that stirred up something significant in you that you maybe even don't know how to put words around just yet. What has God been trying to impress on you? Because God is trying to teach you all the time. He's always trying to mold us and, and to help us towards the fuller life that he has in mind for us. So process your life. This is the big idea. Please stop. Process your life. Don't just blitz on to the next scene. Author Carrie Wyatt Kent reminds us that this is something we can do every day as well as on the Sabbath day. She writes, at the end of each day, just stop. Take time to think about your day, to notice where God was in it, where you were blessed, and just to say it's good. Oh, there were some bad things, but it... It's good, it's largely good. Then go back at it the next day, and after six days, she says, take a whole day off and say, it's very good. This is God's pattern, right? This is what he did. It's very good. And, and, and spend a whole day just pausing, she writes, just reflecting on how really good it is, and then start the dance again at a sustainable pace. Which brings us to the third important practice of Sabbath, and that is slow down. We need to slow down. One of the best ways that I remember doing this when I was uh, in my 20s was I went to a country. I lived for two years in a country that was that with a family that strictly practiced the Sabbath. I'd never seen this before, but I lived in the house and I got caught up in their rhythms. And they simply, they didn't... They didn't uh, drive on the Sabbath. They didn't shop on the Sabbath. Uh, What what we did, at least at the beginning, and it was a killer to me at the start, was we we did a lot of going for walks and occasional bike ride. And, And we walked up to this place called Cave Hill, overlooking the city of Belfast, Northern Ireland. I remember those walks and the walks in the forest preserves. And I remember the amazing thing that started to happen to me as I really slowed my life down. Um, I just remember just the goodness of that. So maybe you go for a walk this afternoon. Maybe you go for a bike ride. Maybe you just go for a leisurely drive through neighborhoods with the windows rolled down. Uh, Maybe you visit the arboretum or the forest preserve or the lakeside. Just go slow enough on this day to let your jangled nerves settle, to let your pounding life get still, let this greater peace help you get prepared for what lies ahead. Because if you thought last week was complicated, (coughs) who knows what's coming this week? So so think about, what are the people and the situations I'm likely going into? Um, And Lord, what kind of person do I need to be to face those circumstances, to be a person of your kingdom in those places, and and say, Lord, help me with that. Shape my heart for that uh, after your desires. Um, And in this way, I guarantee you, you are going to bring a better self to the future. And the people around you are going to be appreciative of that. And, and you will too. Fourthly, use your Sabbath to attend to your bodily needs. This is really Sabbath 101. Somebody confessed to me last week that I had forgotten the one main reason why they hit the pause button, and that is they have to go to the bathroom. That's the main reason why they do it. Well, that's, that's a fair concern. Um, Sabbath is a time to renew our bodily strength. It's a time to to do the things that recognize that we are bodily creatures. And and so have a feast on the Sabbath. Um, Make a great, a long preparation, lovely meal. Or don't go out someplace and let somebody else have the joy of that. Uh, Take a long afternoon snooze. Uh, The guy that I lived with in Northern Ireland that that practiced the Sabbath, we'd finish the big meal, and we'd have gone out for the walk, and he says, time for the sass. I said, the sass? The Sunday afternoon snooze. (laughs) And off he'd go. Uh, Off he'd go for a wonderful long snooze. Don't get to the end of your life having missed some of those great naps. Um, Do that with no apology, with no guilt, By all means, go to the bathroom. In fact, take a long bath. (laughs) Stretch yourself in the sun. Roll in the hay with your spouse. Go for an easy run. Get a massage. Love this body that God has given you. Reach out and just even feel it right now. It's maybe not quite as toned as you'd like it to be. (laughs) But this is one of the great graces of life that God has given us. And the Sabbath is... Is a time to remember it. It's actually one of the ways we will remember it. Fifthly, to truly live into the Sabbath. Give your full attention to someone. I shared last week that that, that very often, one of the most frequent reasons that I press pause when I'm watching a show is because someone wants to interrupt, I mean, talk with me. <laughs> right? And and it's hard for me to press pause in those moments because. The truth about me is that I often need to be interrupted because I get incredibly self-absorbed in my routines. I can't, I was, I'm just amazed. I was, I was out with one of my kids yesterday and, and I have to get this kid home from school for a very brief period of time. I mean, it's really precious time and this pull to start doing this and look at this. He's sitting right in front of me. Give people your full and undivided attention uh, on the Sabbath. Because as you practice it on the Sabbath, you begin to get better at it everywhere else in your life. When was the last time you dedicated your whole day or even a half day to being fully present to someone that you say that you love? And when they're gone, what would you give to have that time back? As the little boy with the Mickey Mouse watch observed, Time doesn't shout at you. Except when we get up close in the mirror, it just usually doesn't shout at us. So you gotta look at it. Sabbath is God's invitation to us to stop and to see His grace, but not only His grace, above all else, God wants us to devote significant time each week to just stopping and looking at him, actually at him. The Old Testament psalmist puts it this way in one of the most famous Sabbath songs of ancient Israel, Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. "'Know that the Lord is God. "'It is He who made us, and we are His. "'We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. "'So enter His gates with thanksgiving "'and into His courts with praise. "'Give thanks to Him and praise or bless His name, "'for the Lord is good, and His love endures forever.'" His faithfulness continues throughout all generations, and I would entertain an amen to that. It is, it is the truth. But we forget it. But we forget it until we stop and we turn to really look at him. From ancient times, Jewish and Christian people have made joining together to worship a central part of their Sabbath practice. We're standing in or sitting in continuity with them there. Why is that? Why does ca- God care that you're spending part of this your Sabbath day in a worship service? And why should you care to make that a continuing priority in your life? Let me just suggest two reasons. The first is this, because worship helps us release the burden of self-dependence. In the words of the psalmist, it calls us to remember that the Lord is God, and we are not. It is easy to get very confused about this. Because whatever pious things we say with our mouths, and I'm as guilty as anybody of this, it's really easy to settle into a life that practically speaking is about a functional atheism. We place ourselves as the prime movers, the great creators, the true providers of our own existence. We become like Bart Simpson who, when asked to say grace before a meal, famously responded, thanks God for nothing. Dad bought the food and mom made it, amen. Truthfully, however, mom and dad were not the source of the food. Um, it is true that dad bought the food, brought the food home from the store and mom heated it up and seasoned it beautifully, But neither mom nor dad made the soil or the molecules in the meat and the vegetables or the myriad marvelous processes from which the food came. They weren't the ones who brought into being nor sustained. The farmers and ranchers and truck drivers and and grocery store workers that pervade the meal, neither parent even played the roles of bringing the food home and cooking and preparing the food on the basis of their own self-created strength. God is the source of it all. And to draw from my earlier comments, God is the source of the time we spend and the beauty and the goodness we experience. He's the source of our bodies and of all of the people that we get to do life with. It is God who originates and sustains life's motion picture. It is in him that we live and move and actually have our being, the scriptures say. As Gerard Manley Hopkins writes beautifully, the world is absolutely charged With the grandeur of God, if we will stop and look at it. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. And that's a relief. That's a great relief. To think or to live like everything depends upon us, our efforts. Our ingenuity and energy to think that that is true is a crushing burden. If it was true, if it really all rested on us, we couldn't take 10 minutes off work. We couldn't even take a coffee break safely, much less give over an entire day. Sabbath-keeping is a counter-cultural statement. It's a revolutionary kind of movement that pushes aback against so much of the way the world works. It's a statement that we trust in God's provision and not our production uh, most. Uh, He is our ultimate source. Eugene Peterson says, if you don't take a Sabbath, something is wrong. You're doing too much. You've got to quit one day a week at least and just watch what God is doing when you're not doing anything. Do this, and you will discover what the psalmist knew, that his faithfulness continues through all generations. Do you know there's something fascinating that's not in the script but just occurred to me? The whole pattern of creation is an invitation to this. Go back and read the story in, in, in the start of Genesis and how we're told, and God created this, And then it says, and then it was evening, and it was morning the first day. And it repeats that cycle. He does this, and then it was evening, and it was morning the next day. What's the message there? Creation starts in the dark when we're asleep, when we're doing nothing, when God is at work. And it's out of a a foundational understanding of that, trust in him, that we learn to move through our lives in the saner, healthier way that we need to. Um, The second and final reason why worship is such an important part of celebrating the Sabbath, and this is a short one, is because worship helps us to develop the gratitude that is the wellspring of joy. Do you want more joy in your life? I think most of us want our life to be a dance and not a dirge. I really think we do. How do we get it? I think that one of the ways we get it is something I experience when I come to a worship service like this one. Something changes for me here. I come in with a whole uh, list of gripes and worries and, and burdens in my life. I've got a whole list of people who bug me and problems that plague me and gaps that that in the way things are that really grieve me. But being here, it reorients me in important ways, a- a- and I become aware as we go th- going through the songs and the and and the the prayers of, of the number of things that are actually going right in my life and and pretty well in my life. I see the magnificent and the minuscule graces that permeate every aspect of my everyday journey. And most of all, I see God when I'm here. I I catch a glimpse of God in the scriptures, in the songs, in the silence that we, the Selahs here. I see him, and I find that his presence changes me. William Temple was the Archbishop of Canterbury in England, and and he describes worship in this wonderful way. He says, Worship is the submission of our nature to God's being. It's the quickening of our conscience by his holiness. It's the nourishment of our mind with his truth. It's the purifying of our imagination with his beauty. It's the opening of our heart to his love. Worship is the surrender of our will to his purposes, and all of this gathered up in adoration. I love that. And when I worship like that on the Sabbath, I realize that the goodness and the love of God is both the underlying and the overarching condition of my existence, and I feel thankful, and as I sit with that gratitude, there bubbles up within me a greater sense of joy. How about with you? How many common and amazing graces have you experienced in your life? How much is God's providence uh, really carrying you today? How is being with God right now, right here, how is that working in you? How is that going to change you? The psalmist was convinced that he had a clue, and he puts it this way. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good, the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. Are you going to be able to hold on to that perspective when you walk out of this place and through these days ahead? Will you find the peace, the beauty, the goodness, the joy that w- God wants to give you? Will you even discover the conviction and, the, and the, the transformation that God wants to also communicate his desire for to you? I will be blunt. You're not likely to discover this kind of blessing, this kind of freedom, without committing yourself to the discipline of Sabbath and making worship one of your life's greatest priorities, you have the time for it. You have the time of your life as a gift from God for the sake of your flourishing. You just gotta look at it. Would you please pray with me? Lord, I just pray that you will take away Whatever excessive burden I have laid upon these friends today with all these words and leave behind the seed of truth, of transformative truth that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, will use to bring even greater fruit from these precious lives. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.